So today we're going to be looking at 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 1 to 5. So please stand with me out of love and reverence for God's word as we read what God has to say, specifically to elders and then to the, the, the whole of the church. So here now, God's word from 1 Peter chapter 5. So I exhort the fellow elders among you, as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another, for God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Let's pray together. Father, this is your word that you have breathed out for our good. And so, Father, we pray that you would would teach us and instruct us this morning about the office of elder that you have uh, set up for our good. We pray, pray that you would teach us about Christ's shepherding of his flock even now through the men that you have set apart for this task. And I pray that you would help us to humble ourselves before you and before your word. And we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Psalm 23 is one of most beloved chapters in all of Scripture. It talks about God's comforting presence with his people, his wise leading, his faithful nourishment, his powerful protection. I think it's an appropriate question for us to ask, how does the Lord shepherd his people? How, how has God chosen to be that shepherd? And if we scan through the pages of Scripture, and particularly this passage in 1 Peter chapter 5, what we see is that God has chosen to shepherd his people through the appointed men that he has set apart to be shepherds for his flock, his under-shepherds. And as we look at this passage today, that's what we need to see uh, primarily, is that the chief task of elders is to shepherd the flock of Christ as they seek to follow the chief shepherd. So kids, uh, you hopefully know that we are a Presbyterian church. In a Presbyterian church, what that means is that the church is led by elders. God has given elders to lead the church. And it is important for us to understand what the job of elder entails, what is the task that God has given to elders. 
uh, so that we can understand how God cares for us through the church. But also, uh, we are getting ready to nominate men for the office of elder and deacon. So we need to understand what type of men should we be nominating for this? What is the work that they will be doing that they will be called upon? Uh, so this is why we are, need to look at this passage today. So God clearly shepherds his people through human uh, men that he has set apart. And, and, and we'll see that in chapter 5 of First Peter. But before we do that, I think it's helpful for us to take a look back through the pages of Scripture to see God's pattern and how we got to 1 Peter chapter 5. The, the, one of the first instances in Scripture where we see God shepherding his people through a, a, a man is the, the man Moses. And you might remember Moses was acting as a shepherd of his father-in-law's sheep when God appeared to him out of the burning bush and called him to shepherd his people Israel. And Moses shepherded them out of the land of Egypt, through the wilderness, and to the, the promised land, to the cusp of the promised land. And God used his shepherd's staff as a symbol of God's authority to bring about his purposes, such as parting the Red Sea or uh, gaining victory over God's enemies. And shortly thereafter, we see uh, in the story of the man David, King David, who was, you will remember, was called when he was shepherding his father's flock. And you might remember that when he appears at the, the battle scene where Goliath is taunting the, the, the armies of God, the reason David has confidence to fight against Goliath was because of his experience as a shepherd. He, he, he said that he would protect his father's flock from bears and lions, and the Lord protected him in the midst of that protection. And so David reasoned if God would protect him as he, as he protected uh, Jesse's flock, then surely God would protect David as he stood up for God's flock. And God did indeed protect him. He gave, gave him victory. And eventually David became the shepherd king of Israel. But both of those men, they were flawed shepherds. Moses used that shepherd's rod out of anger to strike the rock, anger against God's people. David used, misused his authority as a king to take Uriah's wife as his own. And it got worse from there. The, the passage that we read from Ezekiel 34 God had established the elders of Israel to be shepherds over his people. And yet, you heard this, that they would feed themselves, not the flock of God. They would, they would be harsh with the flock of God. And so God said, I'm against you, shepherds. But then he promised, he said, I myself will come and shepherd my flock. I will rescue them. I will feed them. I will bind them up. And God made good on that promise by the sending of his son, the man, Jesus Christ, who was the son of David and yet the son of God. And Jesus said, I am the good shepherd, not like those bad shepherds. I am the good shepherd. He said, I know my sheep. I've come to feed them, to lead them, and to protect them. He said, the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And you might think, well, what could be better than that? 
But then we get to the end of the book of John, where Jesus is talking with Peter, and he says to Peter, if you love me, feed my sheep, shepherd my flock. What we see is Jesus begins to hand off or give this, this gift, this, this task of shepherding his flock, his people, through under-shepherds, these men that he's set apart, first with Peter. And then as we go through the book of Acts and, and the, the pages of the New Testament, we see uh, in, in Acts and in Paul's letters and here in Peter's letters that that task of shepherding is now being handed off to elders, those who would shepherd God's people. These men who are given the gift of that responsibility and empowered by God's Spirit, Christ's Spirit, to shepherd his flock. And so with that, we come to this passage in 1 Peter chapter 5. And so Peter talks about his qualifications, and then he gives a charge to the elders, the charge, to, and then a charge to everyone else. So he begins by saying, he says, he, he explains why he's giving this, uh, this charge. He says, I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ as well as a partaker of the glory that is to be revealed. Three things. He starts with saying, I am a fellow elder, which is interesting because Peter was an apostle, but he's also calling himself an elder. But he's putting himself on the same level as these new, these new elders that are here these non-apostolic elders. He, I'm a fellow elder with you. He's elevating them to his level. He said, but he's also a witness of the sufferings of Christ. He's an eyewitness. He has seen Christ. That's part of his qualifications as an apostle. And it's a bridge between the work of the good shepherd to these shepherds now in, in the church, the early church. But he's also the one who has witnessed the sufferings of the good shepherd. He's been a partaker of those sufferings himself. And so you see this hint that the shepherds, by their connection with the good shepherd, will suffer as they seek to shepherd God's flock. Now the third thing is that he says, I'm a partaker in the glory that's going to be revealed. Peter knows that, yes, he will suffer, but that suffering is not in vain. That suffering has a glorious hope of the glory that is going to be revealed, and we who are in Christ Jesus will partake of that glory. So I've been giving him his qualifications. He then turns to the elders and he says, shepherd the flock. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you. And it's a, a simple command that he gives. He doesn't define what it means to shepherd. He says, shepherd the flock that is among you exercising oversight. That's really all that he says. We'll talk about that more in just a minute. But a shepherd looks over the flock, cares for the flock in some way. It's, it's, he's got oversight over that flock. But notice how he qualifies this, this work of the oversight. He says, shepherd the flock of God that is among you. So first of all, he says, it's... You are called to shepherd, but this flock is not your flock. You're given the task of shepherding the flock of God. These are God's sheep. You are a under-shepherd. He says later that uh, the chief shepherd will appear. So these shepherds are under-shepherds. They are stewards of God's flock. 
But also he says uh, this, this oversight is not universal over the entire flock. He says, shepherd the flock of God, that is among you. So in our context, we would talk about a local church body. Elders are not, uh, elders of Zion Presbyterian Church wouldn't have authority over the, the whole of God's flock, but only the flock that is among us, the, the local church body. It's, it's qualified there. But then he also talks about the motivation that must drive this shepherding. He says for three things. He says, first, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you. They must be willing to serve in this capacity. And for us at Zion, I think that's really important for us to, to recognize. Because as we continue to grow, we will feel the need to have more elders. Because there are more things, more things that need to be have oversight, more people that need to be cared for. And so our temptation will be to... Uh, feel compelled to call men to the office of elder even when they might not be ready or to pressure men to serve in a capacity when they're feeling more compulsion than willingness. So we have to resist that temptation. We have to recognize that these men must be willing, not under compulsion. But that willingness shouldn't be for their own uh, self-serving purposes. He says, not for shameful gain, but eagerly. These men ought to be serving eagerly, recognizing that they are given this glorious task of caring for God's people, but not doing it for the sake of self-serving purposes. Not to be using that authority for selfish gain. And similarly, not heavy-handed in their leadership. He says, not domineering over those in your charge but being examples for the flock. They, they will set an example for the flock. They must set an example for the flock. And they cannot be heavy-handed in their leadership. And then he gives this great promise. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. There's, there's a great promise there that the, the chief shepherd will appear. He is appearing. And when he comes, he will seek an account for his flock and for those shepherds who have been found faithful in how they have cared for his flock. He promises an unfading crown of glory. So, when he, so he says that to the elders, and then he turns to everybody else. He says, likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. That, that term younger doesn't necessarily mean younger in age. It really probably, you could summarize it really as those who are not elders. We're just talking about a um, less seniority perhaps. And in, in Peter's day, ordinarily the elders would be older individuals. But likely, likewise, what we're talking about here is those who are not elders. So he's saying it's, it's as if Jesus is saying to everybody else, look, the elders that you have have been appointed by me to watch over you. So out of love for me, out of respect for me, be subject to those elders. Submit to their loving lead because they are seeking to care for you on my behalf. And then he turns to everybody, elder and non-elder alike, and he says, clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. Elders must be 
shepherding in humility, lest they become proud in their position. Everyone else must become must humble themselves under the lead of the elders, lest they rebel in pride and stubborn resistance. The church as a whole must be characterized by a spirit of humility toward one another. So if we take a step back and we kind of consider what Peter has to say here, there's a few things that we can draw out of this passage. And the first that I hope you see is that um, the Lord's making clear that we need shepherds. We need to be shepherded. Um, Scripture says that we are the sheep of God's pasture. That's the the term that he uses over and over again. And he provides shepherds to shepherd his flock. And that's a humbling title for us. Sheep are not bright. Uh, and it's, it requires humility on our part to recognize that what God is saying is that you and I need to be led. We need to be fed. We need to be cared for. We need to be protected. And in God's kindness and grace to us, he's providing shepherds to care for us. But um, all too often, I think what what our hearts tend to say is we, we kind of turn Psalm 23 on its head and we say, I am my own shepherd. I need nothing. And God would say, no, you are my sheep and I know what you need. And you need to be led and cared for and um, protected. And it's interesting because um, there, are, there are many things about the work of an elder that are very much like a father, uh, a, a caring father. But Peter doesn't use that language here of, of, of saying that elders need to act as though fathers because, and I think there's an element of the fact that we never grow out of our need to be shepherded. Um, uh, when you have kids, you, ha- you hope that they will mature to a point where they're on their own. And yes, you remain their father, but the parent-child relationship changes for sure. But a sheep never outgrows their shepherd. And so it doesn't really matter how old you are, how many biological years you have under your belt, or how spiritually mature you are. We need to be shepherded. We need to be protected. We need these leaders in our lives. Well, Peter doesn't really define shepherding here. I think the reason for that is he understood the testimony of Scripture and what was expected out of a shepherd, what shepherding meant. And um, there's a, a good book by Dr. Timothy Whitmer called The Shepherd Leader, where he tries to distill um, the work of an elder, the work of a shepherd, um, that scripture talks about, and he comes down to four different uh, aspects of shepherding, which I think are helpful for us. Uh, a shepherd knows the flock, a shepherd feeds the flock, a shepherd leads the flock, and a shepherd protects the flock. Knows, feeds, leads, and protects. He knows the flock. Psalm 23 says, The Lord is my shepherd. 
I know my shepherd. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. The sheep know my voice, he said. He said that was what distinguished those who were his versus those who did not. Those who understood his voice, knew his voice, and those who did not. So a shepherd, a human shepherd, has a relationship with the flock. He knows the flock and the sheep in the flock. He knows the personality of the whole of the flock, but he also knows the individual sheep by name. He knows their personalities, their fears, their gifts, their strengths. So he knows the flock, but he also feeds the flock. Knowing the flock and what they, their personality, he knows what they need to eat. Um, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. A, a shepherd feeds the sheep a steady diet of the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ in word and in sacrament, but he feeds the flock as a whole, and he knows the individual sheep and what they need to hear about the hope of the gospel in the midst of their individual lives, what comfort they need in, when they're hurting. Um, so he feeds what they need, but he also leads the sheep. He leads me beside quiet waters. He leads me in paths of righteousness. Uh, a, a shepherd is a leader who considers where does the flock need to go and guides them while he is along with them. Whether he's leading from the front or the middle or the back is another question, but he is with his flock and he is guiding them. And He's doing this on an individual basis because he's seeking out the wandering sheep to lead them back to the place of safety with the rest of the flock. And finally, he is called to protect the flock. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they protect me. They comfort me. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And the apostle Paul in his Farewell address in Acts chapter 20, he said, Take heed to yourself and to the flock which God has made you overseers, because I know that savage wolves will come and seek to tear apart this flock, even from within you. And so a shepherd is aware of the fact that the flock is a flock of sheep amongst wolves and keeps his eyes open to the threats from without and from within. He knows that sheep are prone to harm themselves by walking off a cliff or by harming other sheep, and he seeks to lovingly correct or discipline them. He's on the lookout to rescue the sheep from disaster. And so, I don't know what your, your image of an elder is or what you think that that entails in the work of the church, but understand this, that this is an active, hands-on task. This is not a sideline task. This is a time-consuming, dangerous task. The elder, the shepherd, gets his hands dirty. The shepherd smells like the sheep because he's with them. 
He gets tired chasing after wandering sheep or he gets exhausted fighting against bears and lions. And it's not a glamorous task because often the sheep turn on the shepherds. Uh, There was a a few weeks ago, my kids were dog-sitting for a friend and uh, I had gone with them to, to help out one day and one of the dogs got a hold of something that I thought was about to harm the dog if he had, if he had eaten it. And so I thought, oh, I need to get this out of the dog's mouth. And I was faced with two problems. The first was I had to get to the dog because every time I would get a little closer, the dog would run away because the dog knew I didn't want to take it away. And so I had to chase this dog and, and try to coax this dog to, to stop so I could help. But then when I went to take this out of the dog's mouth, the dog turned and bared its teeth and gave this yelp like it was going to bite my hand. And beloved, that is what it's often like in the midst of the church for shepherds. Shepherds, like we, our hearts are to prone to run away from those who would protect us and care for us. And often we turn and seek to bite the hand that would feed us or yelp when a healing balm is trying of medicine is placed on us. But, but in the midst of that, the elders that God calls serve even willingly and eagerly and joyfully knowing that this tremendous gift of being able to care for and protect God's flock has been given to them. This flock that Lord Jesus Christ bought with his own blood. So if that's the task for the elder, then just a couple of quick points of application for us as we start thinking through who from our number might we nominate or encourage to serve in this task of elder. Um, I think we could summarize it simply by saying this. Nominate men who are willing to undertake, who you think are gifted and willing to undertake the task of shepherding this flock here at Zion including yourself and your family and men to whom you'd be willing to submit yourself to their leadership. And you can consider it across those four different aspects that we just talked about. The know, feed, lead, and protect. Is, is it a man who knows this church and loves this church and knows the individuals that seeks to get to know the men and women and kids within this church because out of their love for them, do they practice hospitality? Are they a good listener who seeks to understand you? Do they know you? Have they met you? Um, Are they one who will feed you? Do they have an obvious understanding and love for God's word and the doctrines of grace that they might feed you with Christ on a daily basis? Are they eager to teach what is needful for you, or do they merely want to teach what is interesting to them, feeding only themselves? Uh, Will they lead you? Are they is this a man of godly wisdom? Do they, uh, will they walk with you and with the flock? Uh, 
with steadfastness in the, in, in the midst of good times and trying times? Can they encourage you in the midst of trials? Is this somebody that you are willing to follow? Their lead. And then finally, protect. Is this a man, and this may be the hardest one, is this a, a man who has the courage to correct his brothers and sisters with gentleness? Is this someone that is bold enough to apply discipline in the midst of rebellion? And is it somebody that you would listen to if he corrected by this man? Is this a man who has zeal for the peace of the church, but also the purity of the church? Is he willing to suffer and lay down his life for your sake and for the sake of this church? And you might be saying, well, how, how would I even know all those things? Like, but one is by praying for these men. Another is by observing. But one thing that Scripture tells you that you can observe is by looking at how, if he's a, a man with a family, look at how he shepherds his family. Scripture is clear that that is evidence, perhaps maybe even a test for how he would shepherd God's family. And also, does he, what kind of example does he set? This flock will follow the example of its shepherds. Every flock will. Paul told Timothy to set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. And to that, we could add his humility. Does he have that humility in Christ, that recognizing that he is a sheep needing a shepherd, that he is a under-shepherd, a servant of the chief shepherd, a brother to you and to me and to serve and to lead in godliness. And, you know, maybe you've been considering serving as an elder. You thought you were wondering whether or not you could do this task, or maybe you're just thinking about these men here. You might be thinking, who is sufficient for this task? This is an unrealistic task. You're talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. And you're in good company. That's exactly what the Apostle Paul said. He said, who is sufficient for these things? And beloved, our sufficiency doesn't come from an ability within ourselves to be able to serve in this task, but only by the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ as he works through us. That's why humility is so necessary. That is why a, a brotherhood of elders is necessary, to lean on one another and to hold one another accountable. That's why the prayers of the church are necessary to uphold these men in their task. And so we must be urgent in prayer, not just that we would find the right men, but that we would uphold the men in prayer that they would do this task for our good as they seek to shepherd us. And so let's do that. And kids, um, this, this would be a good thing for you to talk about with your parents, especially for those of you have, who have made a profession of faith. You will be called upon at some point to vote on what men should be serving as an elder or as a deacon. So it's a good family conversation to talk through what men you think ought to be nominated, what, what makes a good elder. It's a good thing to be praying for. God desires clearly to have godly men serving as shepherds, and he hears your prayers. So pray for these men.
And the final, final point I want to bring out is when we talk about call, uh, a man serving as an elder or a deacon, we, we talk about the terms of calling. And when we talk about calling, we talk about an internal call and an external call. And what we mean by that is an internal call is that willingness, that desire, that not under compulsion, an eagerness to serve. And the other part is the external call where we as a church body say, yes, we see these gifts and we want you to serve in this capacity. And um, when it says not under compulsion, we, we, sh- we cannot force men to serve in this capacity, but we can encourage. And the, the dynamics of the internal, external call are tricky, yet your encouragement may, means more than you might know. And so if you see a man who you believe would serve well in this capacity, encourage him. And the answer might be, uh, not at this time, but maybe, someday, uh, perhaps you're planting seeds in that man's life that will fuel spiritual growth in in a pointed way and future glory of the church. So let me encourage you to encourage those who you see having this particular uh, potential for service. Beloved, our, the Lord loves his people. Uh, he actively shepherds his people through the Lord Jesus Christ and through the men that he sets apart as elders. And uh, Psalm 78 uh, is a beautiful psalm, and it ends like this. It says, The Lord chose David his servant and took him from the sheepfolds, and with upright heart he shepherded them and guided them with his skillful hand. And that's our prayer, Lord, uh, beloved, is that our Lord would, would call shepherds for himself, give them the grace and the gifting and the skill to shepherd the flock here for God's glory, for our benefit, that he might shepherd through them. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your kindness and your love for us. Thank you that you never cease to watch out for us, to give us everything that we need. Father, we pray that you would raise up men to serve in this capacity. We know that none of us is sufficient for this task, and yet you equip us for everything needful to do that which you call us to do. Father, your grace is... Uh, more than sufficient for us, even in the midst of our weakness, and so we cling to that. And now, Father, help us to continue in worship, praising you for all that you've done. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.